financial news and information you can trust. This is Market Wrap with Mo Ansari. Welcome back, everyone, to Market Wrap. I'm Mo Ansari, and you're tuned in as you've been doing so for over 25 years now. And as always, wherever you are, you can always pick up the phone, give me a call, and I will be more than happy to share with you my nearly 38 years of trading experience. But for the next few minutes, hold the calls. I'm going to go to the guest line. And today on our guest line is Jeff Reeves. He's the editor of InvestorPlace.com. Jeff is a financial journalist whose commentary has appeared in numerous financial media, including the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Market Watch, TheStreet.com, Fox Business Channel, to name a few. He's the former editor of the New York Times and has been invited to the White House on two separate occasions for the Personal Finance Online Summit. He's also the author of The Frugal Investor's Guide to Finding Great Stocks. Mr. Reeves, welcome back to Market Wrap. Great. Thanks for having me, Bill. Jeff, it's always my pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about your recent article. That's what caught my eye. Seven big ways to invest your money in 2014. One of those is tech. You, you say tech is presents growth opportunities. Can you explain why tech is better than, would you say, a lot of the other sectors? Quite a few people are looking for a bottom in the energy markets. They're saying it is a good buy, but they've been saying that for maybe the last six months, or the last three months at least, that we've heard that. Why do you think tech is a better player right now than most of the yeah, other sectors? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like tech. In, re, in regards to energy, I do think that it's, um, you know, it, it may be prudent for long-term investors to kind of slip a few jabs and average in. But, you know, I'd caution against people thinking that the bottom is assuredly in in energy. We've seen a lot of people try to pick the bottom, and, you know, oil prices and particularly oil equities have continued to move lower. Um, so I, I definitely think people should protect themselves there. Um, but in regards to tech, I, I, I think while there's volatility out there in some of those other sectors, uh, you know, consumers uh, have gotten a bit of a pop from the from the low energy prices. They saw a good holiday, but who knows if that's going to last. Um, I do think tech provides uh, some stability as well as growth. I think enterprise tech in particular is very interesting to me because a lot of the gains uh, across these last couple of years haven't necessarily come from hiring at businesses. It's come from these kind of uh, enterprise tech add-ons that a lot of companies have had to do more with less. Uh, and I think the combination of, of growth um, from a recovering economy uh, in the U.S. with people spending more on technology and also just the dividends that some of these stocks provide, you know, the big enterprise players like Cisco and IBM have pretty fair valuations and good dividend yields right now. Mm. Uh, I think most of them in enterprise tech have uh, PEs of around 10 or 12 and dividends around 3%. Uh, I think that that stability coupled with the, the notion of companies spending more on that enterprise technology is, is going to provide a pretty good tailwind for the sector. I, I think there is some volatility out there, um, but tech is one of the more reliable growth industries that we have. That and probably healthcare are my favorite for, for 2015. So energy is not, as they say, I, I always say there should be a little sign at the side of these markets like there is on cigarettes that trying to pick tops and bottoms can be hazardous to your wealth. That's what I, and that's what people yeah. have been trying to do in energy. They've been trying to pick a bottom and just keeps, it seems like it keeps going lower and lower and lower and nobody quite knows how low it's going to go. So tech, you think because of the large uh, enterprise companies that have, that, that have been around, uh, you know, people got spooked because of the 2000-2003 tech crash, but you think the companies now, they've sort of gone through that, and now these are real companies making real money with real profits and real dividends, so they're not the tech bubble that we saw in 2000-2002. Yeah, and I would say, you know, I think there is kind of a um, two flavors of tech that you can chase. 
again, a company like Cisco, it's, it's got a dividend close to 3% right now. It's got a pretty fair PE. It makes a boatload of money and has a boatload of cash. That's a vastly different story than a company like, say, Twitter, which recently had an IPO. It still doesn't make any money. Don't believe that the non-GAAP numbers, those are just clever accounting trips. Uh, Twitter is not profitable. It's got a huge PE ratio, and it's got a lot of systemic risks to the company actually being around, you know, another five or ten years. I use Twitter, you know, uh, across the trading day just to, like, keep myself abreast of the markets. But as an, an investment, I think it's a pretty unproven, uh, overvalued stock. Those kind of tech companies I, I still i am kind of leery of in this environment. But I do think the stable, large-cap tech that's out there, not these kind of speculative plays like, you know, cloud computing stocks or what have you, the, the large-cap enterprise uh, tech companies are definitely what interests me most. Jeff, uh, in your article, you say that financials are looking fit and the outlook is bright for 2015. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I think it's the same story as with technology is that we've seen the slow and steady recovery. Uh, that also means a slow and steady recovery in lending. I think housing has impressed everybody with the way that it snapped back, uh, but I think it continues to impress the way that it stays firm and lending is still pretty good. Um, you know, and I do think that for, for better or for worse, the, the, in the wake of the bailouts and everything that happened there, uh, there are tighter regulations and a little bit, um, more scrutiny on financials right now. So they've had to get, uh, a little more stable in their operations and their balance sheets look better. Um, so I think that investors can have a little bit more confidence there. Uh, and most importantly, I think as we enter 2015, uh, I don't think that there's a, a 100% chance of a rate hike before September, but I do think that it's likely that we're going to see rates tick higher, even if the Fed doesn't move the Fed funds rate, because as we saw in, in 2014, rates dropped 100 basis points with, without any movement from the central bank, so they can move up again. And I think that even if interest rates just move up modestly, um, the, the spread, the credit spread that uh, financial companies have is going to improve with that. Um, and then if you want a little bit of icing on the cake, uh, I particularly like the sector of financials that deals uh, with the baby boomer generation, the kind of fixed income crowd through insurance uh, and annuities. Uh, players like Prudentials, uh, I, I think, have a lot to offer people because the float that they get um, in between the premiums and their payouts, uh, they can get a higher interest rate on, on those. And let's not forget that as these boomers age and they enter this kind of capital preservation season of life, um, that's when they really get into to seeking out these products. We've seen a, a brisk business being done from insurance companies uh, selling both life insurance and annuities to kind of income-hungry investors. Um, so I think that that sector of financials in particular is, is very interesting to me as rates move higher and as that stability of the baby boomers, we translate that to, to actual growth in the bottom line for these companies. In your article also, you write that India is looking up. Is that because of Nathendra Moody, the new prime minister there, or is it some of his policies? What do you think is uh, the main driver for India? Well, I think the main driver is that inflation is finally under wraps. Part of that is, again, we talked earlier about energy. Uh, energy prices have really fallen off a cliff. Uh, that's been kind of the best of both worlds, uh, or, or it's kind of been uh, both sides of the coin there. You've got... Um, pain for some energy companies, but it's been good for consumers. Uh, falling energy prices has also been good for these emerging markets facing high inflation rates. India's uh, inflation rate was over 11% in January of 2014. It dropped to basically flat, thanks in large part because of the drop in energy prices. Uh, between that and some tighter central bank policies, inflation seems to be 
uh, a little more measured, which allows uh, companies to actually get their feet underneath them and, and tap into growth. Uh, I think people forget that India is one of these massive emerging markets, much like, much like China. It's kind of in a class of its own. It's not like one of these uh, Latin American countries that has a, a lower ceiling. India is the largest democracy in the world. It's got really close ties with the West because of its democratic government. So unlike China or Russia, where, where we sometimes see a contentious relationship with the United States, uh, India really has limitless potential. So I think if they can get their policies in order, they can t- continue to keep inflation under wraps. I do think that tapping into that uh, that nation's consumer class and getting people from the lower class into a, a, a middle class in India over the next decade could be a huge growth opportunity. And it seems like now may be the time to slip some jabs there if you're an investor looking for emerging market opportunities. Do you think any of Moody's policies are going to be helpful in liberalizing some of the bureaucracy that they have in India? Uh, yes and no. I mean, again, the, the blessing and the curse of India is that, like I said, it is the world's largest democracy. So unlike a uh, kind of command and control government of China, uh, it's it's difficult for us to be able to have visibility on precisely where things are going to go. Because mm-hmm. the good thing is India actually cares what more than one person says, right? right. So uh, I think the challenge is going to be seeing if all uh, all parts of the government can work together uh, in the next 12 to 18 months and, and work on a concerted agenda. Because, it's it, again, it's not like Beijing where they can just decide uh, this is the way things are going to going to be and move forward. Uh, democracy is messy. We know that in America. So I'm, I'm hopeful that um, you know the, uh, a coalition can be formed and India can move ahead. But this is one of those things that investors are going to have to watch. We are talking to Jeffrey's editor of InvestorPlace.com. He is also the former editor of the New York Times. Uh, Jeff, number six and seven in your article, Seven Big Ways to Invest Your Money in 2015. Uh, six and seven to invest your money in 2015 is the dollar will stay strong. Why do you feel, I mean, we just broke out, we are at a nine-year low for the euro. How much higher can the dollar go? Well, I, I don't know how much higher it can go, uh, you know, but I do know that the rest of the world's uh, currencies that are out there ain't looking good right now. I mean, the ruble is a, a effectively a play on, on energy, and energy prices stink. Uh, the euro continues to run into trouble as growth there uh, remains under pressure, and this whole drama in Greece right now uh, continues to, to threaten the eurozone and in the entire currency zone in general. Um, you know, I, I don't really know where else investors can go. It's kind of this, kind of this Tina problem that we see in the market, that there is no alternative. Uh, and while the dollar may not necessarily get, quote-unquote, stronger, I think that it's unlikely that any other currency in the world is going to really come into favor. I mean, we're the world's reserve currency for a reason, and I think that the dollar will, will continue to have strength as long as the U.S. economy continues to show that, you know, it's not booming right now, but as long as it's stable and we show that we're better than countries like China or, or a currency zone like the euro right now, I mean, there really is no other place for investors to put their confidence. And so, uh, you know, the, the bears might say that's not exactly an endorsement of the dollar. It just means that there aren't a lot of alternatives. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. But you got to take what the market gives you right now. And the only thing that it's given you is strength in the dollar and not a lot else for, for currency traders. So the dollar, how would you invest in the dollar? Do you buy ETFs and that are positive dollar, short euro, uh, positive dollar, short ruble? How would you invest? What vehicles would you use? Well, you know, it depends how aggressive and active you are in your portfolio. You name a couple of them. If you actually want to trade currencies themselves, you can trade that through plenty of exchange-traded products out there. Right. Um, the best way that I think most kind of regular retail investors should mm-hmm. consider playing the dollar, right. um, you know, one fund that, that I've recommended lately has been um, the Germany ETF, because while 
Uh, German stocks have underperformed. Uh, I think that a weaker euro versus a dollar is going to lead to to better imports um, to America. Mm-hmm. And I think that country uh, companies in Germany that that see a benefit from that, uh, that because the currency exchange rate. Uh, they actually see a, a tailwind to their earnings as a result. You know, whether it's companies like BMW that are exporting cars here, where America's buying it, um, I, I think you can actually benefit from it that way. I think internet, international exposure is something that all investors should have broadly in their portfolio. But I especially think that's true in a strong dollar environment. It's, it's the only thing you own is U.S. stocks. Um, again, it's nice politically for us to have a strong dollar. But the bottom line is a strong dollar works against sales for multinational corporations that do business overseas. Uh, it works against commodity stocks. So I think it's very important to be geographically diversified. I would encourage you know, the, the simplest vanilla way for investors to, to benefit from a strong dollar or at least protect their portfolio, as I think it would be to diversify geographically across developed international markets like Japan and Europe, where they're going to see an export benefit as the U.S. imports goods from these countries. Jeff, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule and being with us today, sharing your thoughts with us, and this great article at InvestorPlace.com that you have put out, I opinion, the seven big ways to invest your money in 2015. Thank you again for being with us today on Market Wrap. It was great to be here. Thanks. That's Jeff Reeves. He's the editor of InvestorPlace.com. Jeff has also made this article available, Seven Big Ways to Invest Your Money in 2015. If you want it, give me a call. I'll send it out to you free. 1-800-388-9700. Well, let's talk about my schedule. I am going to be on the 14th next week. I'm doing a seminar in Scottsdale. Uh, on the 15th, if you'd like to meet with me and get your year started, it's time to get going now. You've sat around, you've sort of did whatever you've done. Now you want to make some changes to your portfolio. You got sold by some brokers, uh, some junk that blew up, negative returns last year where you you were down 15 or 20%, or you had somebody who sold you a fraudulent uh, return that, oh, you were going to get these returns and this is what the company has done, and now that was all bogus. If you want to make those changes, give us a call. We will be more than happy to sit down with you and show you what we do, how we do it develop a complete plan for you from where you are today to where you want to go financially. Give me a call, and if these markets do turn, what are you going to do? What is your exit strategy? Do you have a point? Have you done this before? Has your broker done this before? Because it's been good for the last five, six years. What if this market does go down 20, 30, 40, 50%? Can't happen? Anything can happen in these markets. That's why you need to be prepared for it. Give me a call. Seminar, if you'd like to meet with me in Scottsdale, 1-800-388-9700. That's on the 14th. On the 15th, if you'd like to meet with me in Scottsdale, 1-800-388-9700. 21st, I'm doing a seminar in San Jose, and 22nd, our appointments in San Jose. 1-800-388-9700. If you'd like to sit down with me, meet with me personally, I will be more than happy to do that with you. Stay tuned. You are listening to the daily edition of Market Wrap. I'm Mo Ansari. I'm going to take a short break, and I will be right back.